Hi there and welcome to the Final Revelations podcast with your host Sharpie and... The Captain. How are you everybody? And how's your week been Captain? Oh well, uh, let's see. Um, lockdown's been extended, we still live in a police state, but other than that everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had quite a busy week at work I think, so I've been looking forward to this uh, episode. Yep. Um, I've had quite a good week um, listening to this band and this album, yeah. one of my favourites, probably of all time, I would think. Um, yeah, and you've had a 50-hour week at work, and uh, this is our first episode, uh, what would you say, um, uh, uh, on, uh, what's the, the journalistic term? Out and about. Out and about, yes, yeah. we're, we're sitting on the beach, overlooking the first of fourth, um, uh, hopefully the wind isn't too bad, uh, and that's just my uh, gastric problem. <laughs> But to cure that, we've got a nice glass of red wine, so cheers, uh, Sharpie. Cheers, and uh, what kind of wine is it we're drinking tonight? Uh, we'll just give you a little glug more. Yeah. It's uh, an Italian wine from uh, Puglia, and I think it's quite nice, actually. It's very like, nice, it's very nice. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Goes down quite well. Yep. Cheers. Cheers. So maybe you can hear in the background, but that's a hint of what we're going to be talking about this week, is, which is Sharpie? It is Fear Factory second album. <laughs> Digga, digga, digga. Um, the Manufacture, released in 1995. 1995, my God, 25 years ago. Well, 26 this year. 26 eh? years yeah. ago. So, there's a couple of reasons why we're covering this album this mm. week. One is, one reason is the Fear Factor is about to release their 10th studio album. Mm-hmm. Um, Under some acronym. Uh, <laughs> yes, things are not going well in the Fear Factory camp. camp yeah. But, um, yeah, Fear Continuum will be released uh, later on this month, so mm-hmm. really looking forward to that. Mm. It's had some great reviews, so I cannot wait to get a physical copy of that. And as the captain alluded to, it is 26 years, yeah. oh my God, yes. since this album was released. And so, yeah, we, we've talked about Fear Factory like, briefly in a previous episode, uh, and we weren't sure how... We went to see the Demanufacture de- um, kind of a celebration tour. Mm. We couldn't work out if it was 20 or 25 years. So we yeah. must have seen them in 2015 uh, yeah. in Glasgow when yeah. they did it. That's when that must have been, yeah. yeah. And that was a good night, wasn't that it? That was amazing, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's their support? Was that one human? It was, yeah, it was the guy from Machine Head. Yeah. And a girl singer, I can't remember. Yeah. yeah, and I actually went on to buy their debut album, and it's yeah. actually very good. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed them, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, well, Fear Factory, I mean, uh, Demanufacture, where do you start with this one then, Sharpie? Well, it's, it's kind of the zeitgeist sound of our teen years, really, isn't it? Well, 1995, we would have been sort of 14, 15, yeah. And we would have been, uh, so that would have been sort of like a UK standard grade, sort of, yeah. just before hires, yeah. yeah. So, old enough to sort of be going out in the evenings by ourselves, traipsing around the place and getting up to no good. But, uh, yeah, my, I first heard Fear Factory, it was on the Radio 1 uh, rock show, mm. and I was like, kind of shocked, it was too heavy for me. Mm. I think I was introduced to them through a mutual friend mm. um, and the thing about the, the mid 90s was it was such a melting pot of music mm-hmm. that our friends were into such a diverse range of bands yeah. mm-hmm. that some were into grunge, some were into yeah. punk, some were into crushingly heavy music, there was yeah. And sort of electronic rave sort of like stuff. Some yeah, electronic yeah. rave stuff, but there was crossover as yeah, well. Yeah, definitely. Mm. So we all kind of, it was like 
just a mixed bag of, yeah. of sounds that you liked and picked and so our, our, mutual, our mutual friend mm. um, hippie he was hippie yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he, he had an older older brother oh and yeah yeah he'd been out and about and I think possibly one of the sing- singles had mm. been on in a nightclub yeah, in one, yeah. in a metal club yeah. um, it could have been Replica actually yeah yeah um, and he came back and he said you need to check this out which is like the heaviest <laughs> thing around yeah. and you know we were all into like you say Metallica's one mm. um, Pantera mm. at the time you know and this 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 came just like a lightning bolt out of the blue yeah nothing sound, sounded like this at the time totally and to a certain degree, nothing really sounds like like Fear Factory now. No, they they are some would probably argue a bit of a one trick pony, Aye. but when the one trick is so good, you can't. It's argue like it's like it. Angus Young. Uh, Angus Young said to a journalist, uh, the music press is always uh, you know slandering us that we do the same. You know, we've done the same album, you know, 10 times. They're wrong. It's 11. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And, you know, Slayer have been um, accused of, of the same thing. And it's like, well, who cares? You know, if that one thing I act- is so good. I actually think that, <clears throat> um, like in the 80s, right, music, uh, heavy music was sort of defined by each album getting faster and faster. Yeah. You know, whether it be the guitar solos or like the thrash metal, you know. Slayer were kind of competing with Creator or whatever. Yeah. It was getting faster, 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 faster. And Metallica were obviously in there as well. In the nineties, things started going like heavier and heavier and heavier. So mm. like, if you start off with like Metallica's one, you've got you know that that machine gun thing, which is obviously the thing that uh, kind of picks up uh, with Fear Factory. But you had you know Pantera, uh, Vulgar Display of Power, our first um, episodes. You know that when you heard that in 1992 you think fuck it couldn't get any heavier than that mm. a couple of years later you've got fear factory you go, oh my god jesus christ mm. and then a sort of contemporary with that although i didn't get into them until much later on strapping young lad goes even heavier yeah. and then you had corn and stuff and that was like boom yeah and then the next thing it hits you is mashuga yeah boom it just everything got heavier and heavier and heavier i think it's perfectly valid to say without a band like fear factory breaking through and being popular at the time and yeah. part of and, and part of that um, lunatics running the asylum yeah. thing of, of the mid nineties, then Aye. you wouldn't have Slipknot, you wouldn't have Corn, you know. No, no, no. Um, I don't think you'd have Mashuga actually. No, I think, probably not. Um, I think I mean Mashuga probably, you know, they were probably fiddling around at the time this album was coming out and stuff. But you know, this, I mean, so maybe Sepultura are slightly similar. Sometimes I think the the rhythms have a like particularly this song, self bias. Uh, Stop by resistor, yeah. um, which is my favourite. Um, has has a bit of the that sort of sepultura thing, but again, I was not really a sepultura fan. It's only in recent years that I've sort of come to appreciate. Yeah. Uh, actually, it was through that uh, the Quadra album. That's a very good yeah, album. Yeah. That. Um, so yeah, like so, um, uh, Hippie's brother introduced you to um, Fair Factory. Did you run out to the store and buy it, or what happened? Pre- yeah, pretty much immediately. To yeah. be honest, yeah. I mean, I just thought. I'm all all mm-hmm. for this, mm-hmm. um, and I think looking back on it subsequently, uh, it's very much a gateway album mm-hmm. for my yep. particular heavy taste even now. So yeah, yeah. you know, 26 years later, mm-hmm. you know, it, this album challenged mm-hmm. my take on heaviness at the time, mm-hmm. and it was like a key and lock in the door. Yeah. So I felt cu- I've felt comfortable ever since challenging myself with. Yeah. with Heavy music because yeah. we've gone over in, in the past yeah. with, with you know Imperial Triumphant and whatnot. So you know it like yeah. 
I, I think the, the, the important thing about this the Fear Factory is not just a heavy album. It's actually um, it's a concept. <clears throat> mm. It's it's got more to it. I mean, the artwork you've got this um, you know sort of spinal cord with kind of you know uh, organic uh, bones on one side and then kind of a barcode on the other barcode and kind of metal things uh, you know on the other side of this sort of kind of you know rib cage or whatever and you know it's plugged in it's plugged in yeah yeah oh, I didn't notice that yeah, yeah. it's it's, yeah. it's only recently I, I actually noticed that it's yeah. when I got the t-shirt of the and that's all part of that um, well, it's a, dystopian, it's a, dystopian, like the symbiosis of technology and um, and uh, the organic, you know, the biological, which you know, twenty years ago was science fiction. Now it's happening. It's, it, it's, it's reality. Here, you know, yeah. You know, whether Gil, Bill Gates is putting chips in everybody just now, or you know, what's the guy, uh, Tesla guy, uh, Elon Musk. Elon Musk, you know, with this kind of Neuralink, whatever. It's happening. It's, yeah. You know. And actually, I think this is one of the things I wanted to ask you about was like, you know, Fear Factory, California, Los Angeles, mid 90s, you know, fire, plague, riot, you know, you know, they had the earthquake, they had the, the race riots, the Rodney King thing, and there was something else that went, well, you know, it was just, yeah, I think, you know, it's, I mean, Rob Flynn alludes to the this, from Los, Los Angeles, California, oh, right, yeah, yeah, so, Rob Flynn alludes to this as well that where he came from mm -hmm. was down dirty kind of California, and it's yeah. not it's not a pretty place. It's you know it's it's you know yeah, it's the, a tough life, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, frontier uh, town almost. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, and you know the quality of life for a lot of people is very poor. Yeah, you know, and yeah. I think that ref is probably reflected in some of this music that yeah we have subsequently. Yeah. Got, you know, so it's not all sunset strip and no, you know, like I mean, this is, this is totally, Lamborghinis yeah. and, and yeah, that's that's Beverly Hills, that's somewhere else. This yeah. is like you know, what's that like Compton? You know, what was yeah, it? Exactly. Uh, Nigger, uh, NWA and yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely you know, that. Yeah, uh, yeah. you know, uh, some of the rappers uh, who I uh, you know I'm not so familiar with, but you know, obviously coming you know mixed neighborhood, black, Hispanic, bloody bloody blah, blah, blah yeah. You know, I mean, obviously Fear Factory, the guitarist and the drummer uh, Raymond Herrera and Dino Carres, you know. Clearly, sort of Spanish or South American. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know too much about about their their background mm. or anything. Yeah. Um, you know, I've Fear Factory had a funny band because th their output's been not prolific, but con pretty constant through the years. So, mm. you know, they've they've always had a current kind of thing to be up on. So, yeah. they're they're not really a band where I've gone back and dug into their. Like, mm -hmm. like social lives and social history yeah. or anything, you know. I've, you know, I, I got, uh, you know, I liked. I only got the manufacturer about four or five years ago, kind of as part of this kind of re. Or, no, it must have been a bit more than that. Um, you know, let's say between five and ten years ago, um, as part of my kind of re-examination of music that I kind of sort of dis disparaged at the time, right? You know, um, and uh, what I've kind of discovered through. In some cases, briefly looking at the disc discography, and other times more uh, like mechanized. I really like that album, mm. and the album that we saw them actually. What would that album have been? It would have been uh, uh, Genexus. Yeah, it was Genexus. I thought that was really cool. That album. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the thing I was just gonna say is like Fear Factory. Have, you know, obviously at the moment there's a lot of problem in the camp. Yeah. But it's that's been that way throughout. So you yeah. basically just had um, what's his name, Burton C. Bell, and Dino Carreras. But in even one of the albums, Archetype, there wasn't even um, 
Dino Carez. It was another guitarist. Yeah, so they did two albums mm. without um, without Dino, mm -hmm. and it was actually the bassist um, who, who who's a complete fan of Dino and yes. you know a huge inspiration mm -hmm. of Dino and almost replicated his sound. Right. Okay. Um, and and I really like those albums mm -hmm. actually. I, I I think they're quite well focused. Right. Um, I, I I do like those those albums. Mm -hmm. In fact, I. For all of Fear Factory's problems, I think their output has been really quite consistently good. Yeah. There's only one album that I think is... I think just the sound of it, because of the time of it, I, I'm not that fond of... Um, is that the Digimortal? And it's Digim Digimortal. It's very much of its time. It's very new metal sounding. And it's the, the hard edges are kind of softened a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but it's you know technically it's still really yeah. good. It's but it's got uh, linchpin yeah, on it, yeah. you know. Um, so kind of going back, I guess, like you were saying about the the problems that mm -hmm. Fear Factory have had. So their first album officially released was Soul of a New Machine. Yep, which I'm holding your CD um, in the hand, yeah. which is the one with the kind of it's a sort of bluish color eye, with yeah. a kind of laser. Is that an eye? Is it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's the first. Nineteen ninety-two. Yeah. So the first with the experimentation with not just heavy um, rhythm, but you know synthesizers and things. But actually, their first album was. Concrete, and um, they didn't release that as a, as a debut ah. because they had all heap of legal well, hassles. It's a bit more like a demo, I suppose. It's very, it's very demo-y it sounding, yeah, right. and the, the yeah. band themselves didn't want to release it because they weren't happy with the mix. Yeah, it has been subsequently yeah. released. Really, 2002 on Roadrunner Records. Yeah. yeah. So, but actually, if you listen to Concrete, then Soul of a New Machine, and then to Manufacture, you see a natural progression of the band and yeah. their application of technology and synthesizers mm. um, and then they got Reese Fulber in um, for the manufacture and Dino Cazares kind of says that that was the missing link for Fear Factory right, okay. was that he he created sounds which brought the whole Fear Factory sound yeah. together yeah. to this mechanical um, aggressive machine yeah. Um, and, and expanded who they who yeah. they were as a band almost. That's actually one thing I want to pick up on. Actually, it's, it's this kind of symbiosis of the organic and the, the sort of mechanical or the digital. And like one of the, one of the albums, they just had like a drum machine or a couple of albums. I'm one thinking. album. One so album. this this perception of so the, the the connection between the drums and the guitar mm. for Fear Factory is yeah. absolutely vital. Fundamental. Yeah. It's fundamental because there's no real solos in Fear Factory's music. No. Um, Top up sharpie. Absolutely. Blah, 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 blah. Sploosh. Um, yep. And and the whole sound and the interest of the sound is generated through the accents on the drums on on the riff on top ah. of the riffs. Yeah. The machine gun riff. The machine yeah. gun riff. But reading interviews um, with Dino Cazares, he was basically he was saying that they would program drums for their demos, but they would get mm. a drummer in like Gene Hoglin, who yeah. we saw. Yeah. Um, on the Genexus yeah. tour, and the drummer would actually learn. Oh, was that who that was? Uh, yeah, oh, I think, right. yeah, yeah, and um, and the drummer would learn the drum parts yeah. so that there was an 
actual organic yeah. sound to the drums, which Dino says is actually very, very important. I yes, this is this is the point I was always wanting to make. When when you're like your kind of conceptual conceit is that you are, um, uh, you know, you're singing about the the imposition of the me mechanical and digital onto the organic. When you have just a drum machine doing it, mm. it's kind of sort of like self-defeating, I think. Yeah. When you have the natural rhythm playing these kind of very metallic and uh, mechanical um, riffs, I think it brings uh, so much life and verve and, uh, you know, because it's not a hundred, like a hundred and ten, you know, like, because it's not a thousand percent perfect, yeah. you know, every kind of click and beat, it creates that fission of tension. And, yeah, it does. And, and especially like, one of the things that got me back into the to get in the album was the self-biased resistor. I watched it um, on YouTube. I think they were playing some some uh, like gig in Australia, on it. and I was like blown away by just this this power, this yeah. this rhythm. It was you know it was tribal to me. Yeah. It was like oh, I mean the lyrics, yeah. the lyrics. I mean, we'll the, get onto that later. I mean, th there's an odd half beat snare. Like I don't know the technical terms because mm. I'm not a drummer, but there's this odd half beat snare yeah. thing through self-biased resistor that creates yeah. a really unsettling feeling yeah. you know yeah. as, as, as the riff kind of crashes around about yeah. you you know and this this half beat yeah. snare just it's not just a straight snare rhythm so this this extra hits just creates this really yeah. uneasy feeling this is i'm just thinking totally left part here but maybe it's a bit like slayer with um dave lombardo maybe maybe this raymond marara maybe it's a kind of latin thing that they just bring to it it's a, it's much it's got a, it's, it's something smooth and swingy about it the, some you know of these I mean? songs really swing some of these songs really you know really swing, i'm not yeah. saying it's the cha-cha or the moomba but it's no 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 you know, absolutely. It, it, yeah, yeah. You know you, when it's when it's just a, a machine going click 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 click, it's got no life. But no. when it's somebody who's doing it, and it's you know they're all on point, it just it, it makes such a difference. Oops. Um, but yeah, Burton C. Bell, I'd love to sit down and talk to that guy because his lyrics are just where my mind is at. I mean, what is the first lyrics of this album on um, Demanufacture? Desensitized by the values of life, maligned and despaired by government lies. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's just yeah. where I'm at. Yeah. And yeah. The, sorry, on you go. What I didn't actually realise is um, th this album is, is is kind of part of a trilogy. Of, yeah, I didn't know that either. No, I, 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 and so I guess along with all concept mm -hmm. type albums that you can listen to it, you know, on one level and then just yeah. enjoy the songs, yeah. which I very often do. But yeah. then, like each. Dig back a little bit. Yeah. So you peel a little layer more. So and it, yeah, the this, taste gets deeper. Yeah, this this album is um, about a guy whose conflict is with the mechanized world. Yeah, and each song is a chapter in his yeah. life. Yeah, um, and then it kind of rolls on through a three-part kind of story mm -hmm. through obsolete. And Digimortal, right? Okay. Which I actually didn't kind of realise until latterly, until I kind of read that. Yeah. But actually, when you, particularly through through obsolete, you read the narratives. Yeah. It does make a lot of sense. That album, I, I have to say, I kind of passed me by at the time, and it still has because I found that maybe it was just the time that cause mm. that must have come out '97. Or mm. something like that. That 97, 98, 99 became quite narcissistic. Everything became a bit sort of dark, like in the metal world. Do you know what I mean? It did. It, it was just like, you know, um, you know, it wasn't much light and shade. And uh, yeah, for that reason, I just kind of uh, bypassed it. But for 
like the manufacturer, I thought the big thing um, was the sort of Terminator 2 kind of, you know, cybernet, yeah. um, you know, thing. And again, I find it interesting that, you know, they're a band from California and that's where all these kind of, you know, projects were, were happening. You know, Apple yeah. was, was, must have been just up the road, you know, the, you know, you know what I mean? It, it's interesting that, you know, in that kind of environment, which uh, on the one hand, you know, you know, you've got your Sunset Strips, you've got your kind of, you know, uh, you know, Comptons, you know, at the other end, you've still got that, that kind of, you know, Palm Springs and technology and, yeah, the Terminator 2 movie, I, I think, is 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 fundamental to the artwork and just to kind of, well, is it Hunter Killer? Is that the song I'm thinking of? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Because it's, the, it's, it's that's probably the only direct reference to Terminator 2 is, is I think so. yeah, yeah. HK mm. Hunter Killer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's the thing about the the, the, lyri the, lyri the lyrics. Um, they're I, I like lyrics that don't um, you know sort of shout in the face what it is. It kind of gives you ideas. Yes. It, it lets you interpret it a little bit your own way. That's, yeah. I, I like that. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, just. I mean, what, what, do you have a favourite song from this album? I, I love the, this whole album yeah. from start to finish because it's it's a bit of a concept and it's a bit of a mm -hmm. unique sounding album that you know there's there's no weak song on this album no, it is a, I, yeah. a 10 out of 10 yeah i think banner I, yeah, of an album yeah and it's, it's tight every song yeah. is just so good and I, I think that's the thing with the other one there's only like there's 11 tracks this album but i felt like with obsolete and the other ones uh, particularly around that sort of mid like late 90s early 2000s they just got a bit too long and, two or three songs too yeah long. and there wasn't enough variety to sort of um shake it Having said that, on all of those albums, there's an absolute banger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. And, you know, a greatest hits album for uh, uh, Fear Factory would just, like, set the house on fire. I mean, God, you could put that on and everybody would be jumping. Which is what you do. As soon as you turn... We're listening to it just now and Sharpie's head has just been... Oh, you can't sit still to it. Up. It's just got, like, a frenetic kind of... It's tribal. ...vibe to yeah. it, you know. You just you either tap, tap your head to it or, yeah. you know, there's... Almost euphoric moments of, of choruses that just burst through the, you know, the, the well, skull crushing. Actually, that's like, that's you know? that that's the other key thing. I don't think anybody had mixed clean vocals with the kind of guttural vocals. No, they I hadn't. Think, no. I, I mean, if he could have trademarked that, he would have made a fortune. Yeah. You know, because I don't think anybody's done it. Uh, you know, did that before him. And it, it's been replicated so many times since. Oh Christ, kill switch engage, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, even soil work, yeah. whatever, yeah. you know, yeah. everybody does it. But this is kind of ground zero for, for 100%, this. 100%, 100%, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, it's, and it's, I mean, if, even when you go back through, like, Concrete and Soul of a New mm -hmm. Machine, that they were experimenting with that in Soul of a New Machine, but yeah. they don't have this in Concrete. You no. know, it's, it's, mm. it, yeah. they are a death metal band in yeah. Concrete, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but what... Do you know what Pro Tools? Pro Tools, yeah, it's the, that's the kind of the mixing, the sort of digital mixing uh, editing tool. It's, you can change the tuning and it's quick to move things around. Obviously yeah. Before that, you were using tape auto tuning and, yeah, and yeah, that yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. This album is before Pro Tools. Is it? Wow. Yeah, yeah. And when you, so there's this just grain of our, of this organic sound through the whole album to his. Yeah. Absolute mechanical sound. There's just this grain and thread yeah, yeah. of of this organic sound pre Pro Tools that yeah, yeah. just makes it so alive. It'd be interesting know? to hear this album on vinyl, actually. I don't know if it's available. <laughs> this is an album you can't play loud enough. Yeah, Honestly. Yeah. This this album needs to be 
like eye bleedingly loud. I know? think it does actually, because I was listening to it um, before uh, before I met you this evening. I had it on my headphones, and I, I um, when I've got my headphones uh, plugged in with a cable, um, there's a kind of like a noise limiter. Oh, right. And I was like, ah, oh, no, this needs to be louder. <laughs> you know, I need I need the Bluetooth, and I can push it higher. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's just yeah. Well, one of the things I wanted to sort of so we kind of mentioned it earlier that like this is a it's a heavy metal album, but it's also a crossover album. It's got from here, you're not far from jumping into like Prodigy. Yeah, you're not far from jumping into stuff like Pit, <clears throat> Pitch uh, Shifter. Yep. which were kind of British kind of electronic metal rave type bands. Which I don't know if they were popular in the states, but they were certainly popular here and in Europe. And then um, in America, you've got Strapping Young Lag, Devin Townsend. And obviously, you were mentioning Gene Hoagland, the, the drummer. That's sort of taking this ex- extreme metal, even like more extreme, but maybe mm. more in the metal rather than the kind of electronic uh, way. And then, as I said, Meshuggah. So, of any of those bands, are you into any of them, Sharpie? Yeah, I mean, pretty much, much all of them to a lesser or a greater mm. extent. I mean, certainly Strapping Young Lad. I mean, again, like Strapping Young Lad. We we went to see Strapping Young Lad and it's one of the loudest gigs I have been yep. to. I mean Slayer one one of the Slayer gigs was was pretty up there, yep. but Strapping Young Lad was so loud. Yeah, we went to see them oh god in two thousand and two, three, four, something like that. And they they were supporting Arch Enemy and we saw them in a uh, in a venue in Glasgow which is actually a university hall. And it's such a bizarre. <laughs> it, it's, I'm sure they do lectures in it. It's such a bizarre uh, venue, but it was a lovely time. I remember man. that. I remember that gig. Yeah, I mean, I strapping young lad. If you don't know, you'll probably know Devin Townsend. Heavy uh, Devi. Heavy Devi. I absolutely love him. I didn't get into strapping young lad until um, about 2002 mm. uh, when I got kind of reintroduced to uh, Devin Townsend because I knew that knew him through uh, Steve Vai. Um, but the, the album um, Heavier Than a Really Heavy Thing or something, I can't remember what it was called. It's a red album with a sort of feather on it. The riffs on that were just so face-meltingly heavy, fast. Mm. Like, because a lot of like, like the 80s thrash metal was fast, but it wasn't necessarily heavy, you know, because it yeah. was so fast, it was kind of... Yeah. But this was like... <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, and what, so like uh, Prodigy, they were kind of big when we were at school. What was your kind of take on them? Yeah, they were they were a funny kind of thing. So all the kind of pillhead mm-hmm. kind of Neddy <laughs> Ravers were yeah. were into them, and then but so was like all of like the metal scene of things. They yeah. were a very kind of un, un, unusual sort of crossover. crossover, yeah, yeah. And you know a whole bunch of fun. You know, mm. and, like a great. I've seen them prodigy live, mm-hmm. Keith with his big ball and things, yeah. and absolutely phenomenal mm-hmm. live. Um, and yeah, just just good fun, aren't they? Just good. Just yeah, I good saw fun. them. I saw them live um, in Germany um, a few years ago, but unfortunately, I was getting sunburned, so I was basically like hiding from the uh, from the sun and the shades. So I don't really remember much about them. Um, uh, Mashuga was the other band I mentioned. Um, again, I didn't get into them until late two thousands, and uh, you know, they take that kind of rhythmic power of Fear Factory, I think, uh, and just again go over the edge, you know, seven string guitar, um, you know, just go heavier and heavier. Because, I mean, obviously, another thing we didn't mention that, you know, Fear Factory were one of the bands in the, that tuned down to B on a six string guitar, 
you know, and there weren't many bands doing it. I mean, maybe in you know in Sweden, like the death metal thing, though maybe we were doing that. I didn't know about that at the time. But, yeah, you know. So you had this kind of unbelievable heavy I mean, guitars. We were just at the end of the tape trading kind of. Yes, yes, that's right. Era, yes, like, yeah, no. we, yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, Stuart. Uh, no, no, no. It's it's, it's quite a, a yeah good point because like yeah, I mean the first album I bought was a tape. Mm. I think like Jimi Hendrix or Pink Floyd or maybe even Joe Satriani, but you know by this time it was you know we were all on CDs and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So, is there any other bands that you think um, sort of pick up the lineage of Fear Factory, or inversely, what bands do you think actually influence Fear Factory? I think it's so difficult to. They're such. They are such a. This, they're such a new sound at the time. Yeah, it's really difficult to pick out influences. I mean, I would probably think Sepultura would yeah, would have been yeah, yeah. Um, the precision of maybe James Hetfield's rhythm guitar mm-hmm. yeah. um, in the in the eighties would have been definitely up there. Especially when you hear things like One. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, there's there's yeah. no. That is the first machine gun riff. Yeah, I mean, the, the, that right hand of James Hetfield with you know. Like Master of Puppets, for example. I mean, you're you're musically yeah. oriented than I am on the technical side, but that's all downpicked. Yeah, Master of Puppets uh, is yeah, downpicked. Yeah, and it's it's much more um, um, like uh, like eighth notes. It's just, you know, dun 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 dun. But this is more like you know more complicated sixteenth note patterns. You know, like <laughs> yeah. So, like so it's so there, it's, but... it's like. Um, did, almost like disposable heroes, did, 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 but sped but up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, that's um, quite a good. Yeah, a, a master puppets as well. You know that. You know, if you sped that that up yeah. three or four times, that could be yeah, yeah. a fear factory. I think. Riff, yeah, know? I think. Like, like um, you know, a lot of the sort of eighties um, thing was. Uh, um, you know, from a music point of view, was kind of music in key, if you know what I mean. So they were playing like uh, chord progressions that were like, like in in the in the key, if you know what yeah. I mean. Whereas once you got like past Pantera, they seemed to just have like what you call like a root kind of key, and they would just do lots of chromatic riffs and everything that was kind of atonal. And there were bands like you know, Fear Factory and and um, uh, Mashuga that just go. You know, as long as it's heavy, it doesn't matter what the you note is, if it's in no. the key or if it's out of the key, you know, if it's not in the right scale, it doesn't matter. If it sounds kind of, you know, you know, eventually, you know, eventually there'll be some sort of weird, uh, you know, harmonic scale which, def- you know, finds it, you know, like, uh, you know, diminished scales yeah. or whole tone scales, whatever. But, you know, to the kind of regular ear, it's not in key, but they make it sound yeah, amazing. Because we're yeah. listening to this, what, is, is this Body Hammer? This is Body Hammer, yeah, so, amazing. You know, that's... That's melodic, that's in key, yeah. But what's going on underneath is, yeah. it's almost unrelated. Yeah, like this song that we're on to now, yeah, it's not Body Hammer yet. Like here, you, like, you know, well, I think the big thing about this album is, uh, this song particularly is the, is the drumming here, it's kind of... There's that half beat thing again, yeah. you know, that unsettling sound. That but I guess going back to all other influences that you know, Fear Factory released Remanufacture, which was essentially remixed and danced versions of. Is that any good actually? I don't like dance music. I don't. Right. I like this. Okay. Because there's enough of a root of the original song to make it. 
incomprehensible. Yeah. But also, who they got to remix these songs was of very good quality. Right, okay. So, and it, but it, it kind of ties in with that concept of um, I was reading the, the kind of liner notes yep. here. The struggle for non-conformity has become even more complicated. Technology has learned to duplicate, rebuild, and remanufacture reality and humanity. The ability to take a template and replicate it is not a fantasy anymore. Yeah. It is a threat. Yeah, no. And the, this is the liner notes to remanufacture. Yeah, yeah. You know, so they've got, you've got the organic yeah. um, sound pre-pro tools yeah. of demanufacture, and then you've got the electronic yeah. replication of remanufacture. Yeah. So it's actually a very clever thing to do. Oh, geez, you know? Like I say, I just love to shoot the breeze with Burton C. Bell. I just think this guy, you know, his lyrics, what he's kind of seeing, how he sees the world. Uh, you know, I'd like to learn from this guy, you know, because he was seeing things 25, you know, years ahead of time that, you know, when, you know, I wasn't, you know, we, it was science fiction, you it's know. quite startling, actually. You know, you it's know, all like, come to pass. So if, if you could go your whole day and rely on your phone, mm. so even getting about to meet you, mm. you know, I could pick up my beers from the shop and pay with my phone. Yeah. I, you know, I'd yeah. have to log on. Yeah. I'd have to um, log on to somewhere that onto the net, onto, onto the, the web, net, onto the web yeah. that yeah. you're tracked and traced. That, and, you know yeah. that, that that has my details of yeah. what I'm purchasing and yeah. where I'm going. Yeah. Somebody they know it before you do it. Yeah. yeah. And then I pay. I could pay for you know the 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 bus. Yeah. By my phone. Yeah. They know where you're going. I could listen to all this music. On my phone, yeah. you know. So like, and the next thing will be, of course, is when, like, you know, when the NHS gets binned here, it'll be private insurance. Ah, Mr. Sharp, I noticed you've been, uh, you know, not walking so much. Yeah. You've been eating a lot of chocolate, according to your shop bill. So my friend, your premium for your health insurance is going to be X, Y, and Z. Yeah. You know, that's where it's all going. And uh, diatribe. It's, it's <laughs> a bit of a di- diatribe, but I, I guess it, it's it's it, it, it's that. Kind of disillusionment with with technology that yeah. that like you say that was possibly for I think yeah envisaged yeah I think it's interesting um, this past sort of year and a half through throughout these lockdowns I, I've sort of gone back to a lot of like uh, movies sort of early, like nineties science fiction movies and sort of pre or just the cusp of the dawn of internet type movies to see what they were saying mm. and you know for all basically um, you know there's looking at the the glass half full about technology and i think you know in the 2000s we were enjoying technology for its actual functionality its use its efficiency it was bringing us stuff 2000 yeah but i think burton c bell was saying right okay well what happens what happens when somebody has all that information yeah. and you know doesn't think like that and thinks, well, I can take advantage of this? Yeah. And like oh, for all the kids that were watching like movies in the nineties, they think, hey, great idea, you know, watch hackers. This. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you think about it, you know, like you know, probably kids were watching Star Trek in the late eighties and saying like, you know, Captain Picard or whatever his name was was saying like, uh, you know, computer play Mozart's Fifth. Yeah. Da-da-da. Brilliant. Well, I can do that on my. Well, they thought home. You know, those, those guys made that happen. But they yeah, exactly. Those guys made that happen, but of course they didn't understand the, the critical infrastructure that they yeah. destroyed by doing that. So, like most music now, because hardly anybody pays for it, is kind of like it's now effectively um, a hobby. You know what I mean? Because it's funny that like Lars already got it in the neck for the whole Napster thing. Oh, but he was he was seen ahead but of he, time. But it wasn't just him. It was 
there was a whole bunch of artists along with him. Yeah. And so Lars Ulrich was just unfortunately the, the um, one of the most more recognisable yeah, yeah. uh, figureheads. Yeah, rich guy of, of and you know, yeah. selling paintings for five million pounds, whatever. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know, but he was right. Oh yeah. So what you what you were saying was that music is the band's property, and Fear Factory have gone through this ba- battle yep. in their in their time as well mm-hmm. through concrete whatever. Mm. Music is their intellectual property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you want... They spent time and money creating it. Time yeah. and money creating it. That is their life, creating yeah. this music for us to enjoy. Yeah. So if you want to be part of that, then you have... Your part of the bargain is... Yeah. You, you pay for it. Yeah. As a music fan, yeah. I have never begrudged that concept. No. Never, ever, no. ever. It's kind of like you going into the National Gallery of Scotland mm-hmm. and not just taking a picture off the wall... <laughs> But going into the um, gift shop downstairs and taking a poster or a yeah. postcard yeah. of one of the paintings yeah. and putting it in your pocket and leaving without paying for it. Yeah. It's that same kind of principle, you know, yeah. that it doesn't actually belong to you. You can be part of the, the, the artist's vision yeah. and you can buy into it and, you know, you can um, have solidarity with that, yeah. that, that, that artist or whatever, but that's that artist's... Property, uh, and yeah, you have to respect exact, that. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah. So, otherwise, you just end up with like kind of rich kids like Mumford and Sons, you know. And no one wants that. Nobody wants that, you know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> but yeah, uh, sorry, we slightly digressed into sort of political and economic theory there. But, um, but I think I think that's but, the great but, thing. But, the, but these are the concepts that this album engenders. And all, yeah, and well, actually, all of yeah Fear Factory's body of bodies yeah. of work touches on to a lesser or greater yeah. degree you know through through their career but particularly this mm. album and you know their reflective album yeah Re-Man but I think um, actually um, like speaking of lyrics like one of my favourite um, uh, uh, Fear Factor song is Power Shifter from Mechanize and that's actually less of a technology song it's more of a kind of like war song yes you know and I absolutely love the lyrics yeah. And I think it just shows like Burton C. Bell. Like I don't know when this album came out. I don't know if it was like pre kind of Gulf War Two or you know War on Terror, or whatever, or you know, you know trying to find Bin Laden or whatever. But you know, you want war, you got war more than you bargained for. Yeah. You know, absolutely. You know, kind of on point. You know, uh, this guy is just he, he just sees it. I love this song. I so yeah. Let's talk about live. So you've seen Fear Factory once, twice, twice now. Twice, yeah. yeah. What was the first time you saw him? It was probably the was it the Genexus tour? Mm-hmm. Oh no, we saw them. I've seen them three times. Mm-hmm. Um, the Industrialist tour. And ah, maybe that's the album I was thinking of, not Genexus. It was Industrialist. Yeah, so yeah, you know, I've seen them three times. Um, like Claire, Breed seventy seven supported them. What a weird <laughs> mix. Like Claire, Claire loved Breed seventy seven. Gibraltar type. Um, Post grunge stuff. Yeah, yeah. Spanish I kind of quite like them yeah. as well, for a quite yeah, pers- yeah. personal reasons. Yeah. Um, but um, you introduced me. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. um, I was introduced to your wife. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, um, yeah. digression. <laughs> but we, it was a fantastic night in a in a place called the Garage in Glasgow. Yeah. It was quite a small venue. It'd been moved. 
and it was packed, rammed. Yeah. Yeah. And it was there's um, stalls on the side, and people were actually standing on the tables. So it was like, oh, yeah. like people were surrounding yeah. the band. It was yeah. fantastic. These lyrics are so incredibly powerful. heavy, heavy yeah. night. Um, yeah. I saw them um, the Genexus tour as well. They were very good, but I think the night was um, the the manufacture. Uh, anniversary. Yeah. I saw them. Yeah, right. I saw them. It must have been around that industrialist time because they were supporting Devon Townsend. I took my dad uh, <laughs> to see them, and it was just when I was getting into this song, Power Shifter. I said, dad, you got to come. Yeah. It's Devon Townsend, and you'll love this band as well. And actually, he was pretty impressed. The only um, that was at the old shoe on Softy Hall Street. And yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just. It was kind of interesting. Like we're talking about Strapping Young Lad. Just like how those two bands are sort of a little bit sort of connected. You know, um, you know, through members and just kind of like they're, mm. you know, like Devon Townsend, not Devon Townsend, the, the project, but Devon Townsend as a strapping young Some, lad. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, the the manufacturer anniversary tour, twentieth anniversary tour, Glasgow Garage, as I say, it's not it's not a massive venue, but it's probably you probably fit a thousand, couple people. of thousand people. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I would maybe. Yeah, a thousand people, maybe. Um, but it's a great venue. Tight, yeah, um, but with volume and um, yeah, and Dino, Dino just ah, ripping yeah. your face off. Yeah, I think um, uh, Burton C. I remember Burton C. Bell coming quite coming uh, across quite well there. He's kind of like a cool guy. I don't know if he's like from Texas or something or like Southern states or wherever. What do you make of Dino's? Uh, sorry, um, Burton's vocals because he can be a bit hit or miss. Well, my live experience has been excellent, and what I've heard. Uh, on record is great, you know. I mean, songs like Power Shifter yeah. or Archetype or Lynchpin, whatever. They're, they're kind of, you know, if you were to make a, a you know, a mixtape of of uh, Fear Factory, it'd just be banger. You could yeah. stick it on an, uh, anywhere, oh, just... and everybody would love it. You know, even people, maybe, you know, not so into heavy music could appreciate that kind of um, the chorus, the beat, the riffs. Yeah. So we're we're listening to them play. Killing jokes, uh, millennium. millennium yeah. And if there's ever an earworm out there, this is it. they do such a good version of this. Yeah, yeah. And it's all part of that. Actually, the, the Pandemonium album is actually a very good al- yeah. album. Yeah. It's another concept album. Yeah. I, Killing Joker, a band that I don't know enough about, but everything I've heard, I've really liked. And it yeah. ties in all with all this kind of. Government yeah, control yeah. and yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of political yeah. concept. Um, so it's hardly yeah. surprising that they, that they covered this. Like. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a it's a great uh, track. They also did the cover of was it Cars by Gary Cars. Newman? I can't. I, I don't know. I don't remember that one. I, I can't think. Do, of do, it. Do, 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 do. But interesting. So we're fed this thing through the music press, and I've said this before that um, grunge killed heavy metal. Well, if you actually look at the releases <laughs> of of this mm. kind of year, um, <coughs> you had uh, Nola by Down, Draconian Times yeah. by Paradise Lost, Astro Creek 2000 by White Zombie, King for a Day, Fool for a Lifetime by Faith No More, Alison no yeah. um, Chains is self titled, yeah. and It Hurts Light by Ramstein. Right? Yeah, yeah. You had subsequent kind of very heavy releases as well. Heavy metal is just like and a virus, you just can't suppress it. No, <laughs> but interestingly, Fear Factory, Fear Factory covered school, Nirvana school. All right, okay, I don't know that one. Um, so, this, this, 
story of grunge killing, killing metal that you, that people are fed is, is actually false. Yeah, I think actually a, a good um, analogy is grunge was just a kind of lockdown for two or three years yeah. on, on metal. Like between, say, let's say late 91, so 92, 93, 94, 94 particularly, would have been grunge years. Yeah. You know. Uh, was it ninety four that thing he died? Yeah. Or so I mean, 93? I think I think what what grunge did was it killed the crap music. So yeah. like, rock yeah. was getting ridiculous, yeah. and it killed the fakers. It ki- what yeah. grunge did was killed crap music. It was a bushfire and let new stuff grow. Absolutely, very yeah. well put. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then out of those embers, yeah. you got stuff like this. Yeah, yeah. And machine heads yeah. burn my eyes. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it was a fresh start that was needed. It was a yeah. fresh start that was needed. So yeah. like. All these guys came from very organic backgrounds and yeah. roots and things, yeah. and they just they they create wanted to just create a sound that yeah. they liked. And if if you no one was going to do White Snake anymore. <laughs> no one wanted to see David Coverdale's chest anymore. You know, it's and, funny actually. On TV the other night, there was like um, Deep Purple, Birmingham, nineteen ninety three, right? Ooh. And you know. Yeah, they just look like dads, you know, like, I mean, I'm a dad age, of course I'm not a dad, but, you know, they just, it just looked, it just looked wrong. Having said that, you know, people, like most bands that we like now are, you know, well, we're, you know, we're dads age, you're a dad. this is 26 years old. Well, exactly, yeah, yeah, so. You know, when I was listening, so, I started listening to Led Zeppelin 2 in 1991, 92. Yeah. So that was about the 20, same. Yeah, twenty yeah. years yeah. ago. Yeah, I know it totally fucked up. So when you think <laughs> it, when you think about it, you know when we were listening to Metallica, like Black Album, Jimi Hendrix had just died twenty years yeah. before. <laughs> twenty years back from this point in time is fucking. What is it? It's like nine eleven. <laughs> Jesus right. Christ. So you know the the time frame of of this is as we get older, I yeah. guess. It, you know, it takes a bit of readjusting. Adjusting, but I, I don't think this this album has has aged. No, it hasn't. No, no. no. You know, I, mean, I think some some of the their albums maybe it's mature. have. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Like this um, is matured though. Yeah. Digimortal, yeah. I think, is because of of the new metal sound. Yeah. I think has has aged. Yeah. It was but, the most narcissistic one. I, no, no, sorry, uh, obsolete was the one I didn't like at all. It was just too too dark and too yeah. yeah not enough light. But there's because of like the almost euphoric vocal sections yeah. in this yeah. the lifting of the heaviness yeah. through this there's there's always something for your ear to yeah. hook on to you know yeah. Um, yeah. I just I, there's still to this day there's there's no album out there like the manufacture you know for for impact for sound for the progression of technical Proficiency and ability within the studio. Yeah, I think it's a zeitgeist moment. Actually, you know, it's a kind of um, the, the beginning of a new paradigm in in, in, in heavy music. Mm. You know, um, it's actually interesting because after that kind of like we just sort of described it as a kind of uh, bushfire or lockdown of kind of heavy music. After sort of ninety five, six, seven, there was a lot of new stuff came out. So, like in America and that kind of maybe in the Britain as well, it kind of went down this sort of more. Um, 
you know, heavy metal, uh, heavy sort of new metal type way. And then in like kind of in Europe, obviously you just mentioned Rammstein were coming up, completely different sound, completely new. And then in Sweden, you know, you had all these kind of like bands like Stratovarius and, you know, him were perfect to pop up. And then, you know, Spiritual Beggars, Arch Enemy, which we'll talk about soon. Um, you know, they were all just kind of coming, you know, in fact, 96, the, the album we're going to do next week is Black Earth, isn't it, Charlie? Yes, and it that is, is 1996, yeah. the year after. So, yeah, interesting, yeah. Just That's that. such an interesting in, interesting you, album yeah. for me, because, like, I... This, this was the heaviest thing in my music collection at the time. There was yeah. no two ways about it. This was heavy, heavy, absolutely the heaviest yeah. thing in my album. But then, I... It's still very heavy, actually. Now, when I do listen to it, like that, like the opening riff to the manufacture, like Total Guitar, yeah. graded it as the nineteenth heaviest riff of all time. You know, so to say the heaviest one, probably Black Sabbath. Or something. Well, so you know, it is still very much up there. But you know, the stuff that I listen to now. Yeah, it was it was very much a gateway yeah. to all of that, all of it, you know. Yeah, I mean, maybe as you say, maybe it's just like the passage of time. You know, we heard this music kind of well, first when we were like teenagers. I probably didn't get into it until I was in my mid thirties, uh, and even then, I appreciated the heaviness of it. I'm not sure about kids these days. You know, I mean, like what would be like Tesseract or something, or there's a whole Degent thing which kind of passed me by a little bit, yeah, which is yeah. maybe a little bit like, like that very the, the, the precision of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that's a kind of symbiosis of like uh, Mashuga and um, uh, Fear Factory, but yeah, I just uh, yeah. See, you know, you're, I, see, you're struggling to find a. Something that sounds like it, and, and this is the thing well, to me that, no, that there's. I don't think there is. You know? I think we were lucky at the time, like as I was saying, there was this kind of thing in music where things were getting either faster or heavier, and it seemed to be every year something got faster or something got heavier. And in the nineties, it was something got heavier and heavier and heavier. But you, <laughs> there is only such such a point you can go to. Yeah. You know, you can only go. You know, top speed is top speed. You know, speed of light, whatever. And after that, you can't really go much further. And heavier. You know, so kind of like the the what's the phrase pushing the envelope. You know, um, I mean, I know that in other ways of expression, like the internet has totally opened expression and good things and bad things. You know, for us, you know, <laughs> you know, um, pushing the envelope was like you know Freddy Krueger and yeah. uh, you know uh, scream movies and whatever. But I, I'm not sure what kids these days. Like do for pushing pushing the edge, you know what I mean? Well, I think there's I mean there's bands like Code Orange. Oh well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Actually, that, no, that, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the employed to serve. Yes, I. They um, they are definitely picking up on on the on like the, the challenge of being a youth today. I, and I have a lot of sympathy for people who are young today. But oddly enough, it was I think it was the vocal melodies that were. That was my way into this album. Oh, 100%, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. If, it, if this is just an old guttural, guttural vocal... Which it, Concrete is. Right, is it, yeah. Which I bought years ago. Yeah. And... Listen once so and Listen yeah. was like, yeah. no. Yeah. But then as my musical taste has hardened and developed and yeah. I've got my ear used to heavier yeah. things that I went back yeah. to listen to Concrete subsequently and think, yeah. actually, there's a lot... I wouldn't mind listen, uh, borrowing this if that's okay. <laughs> And and that's a half Sullivan New Machine is is, is the halfway point yeah. between that. So it's it's more 
death metal oriented with hints of the synthesizers and things. Why long vocal murder? <laughs> yeah, and it's but it's it's not quite the full the manufacture. Yeah, you know I mean, it's just yeah, it's a, you can, it's a very much a stepping stone. But there, there's some great riffs, yeah. absolutely tremendous riffs through yeah. that album. You know. Yeah. So I think um, that's a great place to sort of wrap us up. But Fear Factory, if you are, um, you know. Uh, not the same age as us and you haven't heard it then you must go out and check it out you must get the thousand you manufacture it is it's heavier than a really heavy thing and uh, yeah I mean the the concepts are just you know so relevant today yeah. it's 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 frightening actually it is. <laughs> and 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 because of that, I would absolutely check out their new album, Aggression Continuum, yeah. because it will be yeah. absolutely relevant. It will. It, it, their si songs they've released sound bang up to date and, and just, modern. Suppose, and just, just to like go on to that album. So that album was recorded about three or four years ago, but legal problems yeah. has prevented its release. And in the interim period, the relationship between Burton C. Bell and uh, just, Dino Cazares just completely yeah. collapsed. Yeah, I mean, I think that they remixed it as well. What did they remix? Yeah, well, Dino actually took it back to the studio and, and yeah. remixed elements of it to yeah. try and create that... Hmm. keep that organic element through yeah. it. And I think, from what I've heard so far, he's done a stellar job. Yeah. It's getting yeah. really good reviews. So, yeah, absolutely. Please, please check it yeah, out. Yeah, I'm interested you know. to know. I mean, if it's got Burton's lyrics on it, I'm, I, I really want to hear what he's saying because I see this guy is kind of like a soothsayer. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, definitely check it out. And for the other albums, Industrialist, I think, was excellent. Genexus, I really like. Yeah, Genexus uh, is Me Mechanized is probably my next favourite yeah. uh, from um, the manufacturer. What about you? Yeah, it probably goes in that order. The, the latter ones, uh, when um, the, I, Dino came back, were fantastic. Yeah, because basically they kind of fell off a cliff from the sort of like mid to the, early to mid two thousands. They sort of kind of stopped. Mm. I didn't remember anything about them until the sort of the tweenies, you know, two thousand ten, eleven, twelve, when they sort of to, to me sort of came back. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would definitely check out Soul of a New Machine because then you can see that stepping stone yeah. onto where the manufacturer came from. Yep. The manufacturer, if you're into heavy music, is probably a must-have in your in your collection. <laughs> yeah. Industrialist, Mechanize, and is it Genexus. Yeah. Absolutely, they're just, you know, they've maybe got a bit more um, texture and nuance to them. Yeah. You know, they're a very now honed. Intelligent sound yeah. to them as a, as a as a band yeah. as a group. Yeah. So you know they they have developed to a certain degree. So you know, yeah, all of those I would thoroughly recommend. Well, super. So um, next week we're going to talk about uh, the 1996 album from Arch Enemy, the debut album Black Earth. Are you looking forward to that, Sharpie? I've had such a good time with this. Super, super, super. So um, <laughs> check uh, check us out on Spotify and on Apple. Uh, you can also see us on. Twitter at uh, Vinyl Revelation 2, I think. Yeah. And uh, uh, on Instagram, if you just put hashtag VRPC, you'll find us. There's usually like breasts or kind of something on it to like catch your eye. Um, so, yeah, um, yeah, on that uh, kind of uh, bouncy mode, both in terms of breasts and beats, um, I think that's a good place to stop. Yeah. So, <laughs> thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Boom, chick.